We're not going to sacrifice any chickens, so stay cool. How you doing? Are you nervous? You should be. Totally should be. Dun, dun, dun. So today we're starting a new series. It's called Bigger Than. Today we're getting into the idea that God is bigger than you know, bigger than our knowledge. And uh, hopefully technology will work, but if it doesn't, hallelujah, bless God, we'll roll on, right? Amen. So um, this is going to be a nine-week series, going to go all the way through Easter. And what we're dealing with is a topic called worldview. Definition is embedded in the name. It's you view the world, how you look at it. A lot of times, the way you look at the world and the conclusions you come to are determined by where you start. How you see things are determined by the lenses that you wear to see them. And that's what we're going to be getting into. Now, I, I, I feel like I should warn you, okay? Uh, I believe I'm going to stir up some stuff for everybody. And based on what I saw this morning, maybe even in our community. And I'm pretty excited about that. I ain't scared, all right? But what you do need to understand is, is I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's me, Michael Maynard. Preacher, no preacher, uh, that's me. Have been since I was 13. I was dumb for a long time, did my own thing. But realized I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's the only worldview I believe. It's been theorized that there are 27 different worldviews. And in the world I live in, a lot of people think they can treat a worldview like Walmart and they can have this kind of worldview for philosophy and this kind of worldview for biology and those kind of things. I do not believe that's true. So, even though you may struggle with what I say today, understand I'm totally comfortable talking to you about it and having a conversation. My cell phone number is 371-4853. Okay? told you I'm not scared but what I do want you to know is it's okay to have questions it's not okay to get mad and walk away because you're afraid to deal with what you believe okay so don't do that all right so yeah I'm gonna open a few cans of worms uh, I'm gonna challenge some things that are very accepted in our culture and so today we're gonna talk about this topic our, our, our main idea is that God is the source and that we can be filled or stay empty I want you to understand, I'm beginning at a place, when we talk about a disciple's worldview, we're not talking about just an opposing worldview with every other worldview in the world in which we live. Did you follow that? That was world a lot of times. We're talking about an extreme worldview. A worldview that's outside of this world. Outside of this culture. That is based in the Bible. So if you struggle with the Bible, you're going to struggle with my worldview. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to get mad and walk away. Parents, if I could talk to you for a second. This series is going to give you an incredible opportunity to talk to your children about their worldview. If you don't help them, I know I'm, I'm putting on my preacher pants right there. If you don't help them with their worldview, their educators will. And the educators don't hold your worldview most frequently, not often. Sometimes there are lots of folks with our worldview in the systems, but I'm just saying, if you have them at home and don't give them at least a chance to learn a disciple's worldview, 
They're going to go out into college and into business and get someone else's. That's why we are calling, casting vision for our children's ministry. Someone needs to share another narrative, another story. Because the Bible tells another story, a powerful story. One that redeems and not just condemns. Okay? So I'm starting in Genesis chapter 1. You excited? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Sweet, huh? Yeah, I know you didn't. It was, uh, it's Satan going, hey man, we're going to wreck what you're doing. You know why he does that? Because he's scared. He, uh, he trembles when he deals with you. Because one day when you wake up and realize who you are and whose you are, he is no problem for you. You ever remember that story of the demon Akagadera? I'm getting off script here. How many demons walked out of that guy that day? Jesus didn't even have to throw them out. They were like, can we leave? <laughs> so I'm just saying. I, 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 well, never mind. I, I don't want to chase too many rabbits here. I, I need to get into this, what's going on. So today we're going to start this idea of, uh, of, of God as the source we're going to talk about. So you see my little box here? Isn't that cool? My wife labeled it for me. I would love to tell you I made it, but I bought it off Amazon. <laughs> All right. So we're going to basically tackle five questions. Let me see if I can uh, get to it. These five questions are going to look at how, how we look at the world, okay? So this series is to it's, it's not totally original, but it's pretty original. It's, this is totally Michaelized. So if that scares you, that's probably a good thing. So anyway, so the first thing, the question we've got to ask is, what can be known? So that's why I've got my glasses up here. These are my reading glasses. Don't they make me look smart? I've heard that before, so I wear them everywhere. Like, I guess so smart, and I'm like, <laughs> blows that right out of the water. So we got. The, so the first question is, what can be known? And that that's what's represented by by my glasses here. And when we talk about what can be known, uh, just the natural world, because that's 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 the popular opinion that we have the natural world and what can be seen and observed. That's what can be known. What about a metaphysical world? What about a supernatural world? Is there one? How can it be known? Is it just known through what I can detect through my five senses? Or is there another realm that can be detected through something else, something the Bible calls the Spirit? So we start with the idea of what can actually be known. Okay? And then the other questions are, who is God? Okay? So my box is a nesting box, so excuse me while I make it weird. All right? So out of that, so I start with this idea of who is God, then I move into who am I? So because whoever God is, that, that begins to raise the questions about who am I. And then once I get out of who am I and start wrestling with that question, then I need to find out what's actually good. But I live in a world where things don't always go well, so I need to know what's wrong. And then I end up in a place where my life ends, and then I would like to know what's next. So these are six questions that we're going to wrestle with as we go through the series that are, I think, there'll be a nice simple way to consider our worldview. Here's the rub. How I answer this question changes everything else. Because I can answer this question in two ways, so let me answer it the common, most popular way. Me. If I am God... Now, if you hold to a different worldview than me, I probably just offended you. Because what you're thinking is, well, there can be more gods than just the God of the Bible or me. 
And I take issue with that. Because any God who isn't the God of the Bible is a God you have the freedom to create and judge. So whatever your religion is outside of being a disciple, that is the only worldview that accepts the actual God of the Bible. Now, again, you can disagree with me. And I will make snarky remarks like, yeah, you can be wrong if you want. But that's just a joke. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Here's the problem if I'm God. Now, everything that I believe from this point on is contained in me. So I start at the end of my equation. It doesn't matter what's next because there's no way to know it. It doesn't matter what's wrong because... Or there are issues with what's wrong, but uh, everything's up to chance. It doesn't matter because I'm God, so I'm the source, I'm the decider, I'm the judge. Well, then I don't know what's good anymore. All I think that's good is whatever makes me happy. If it makes me happy, then it's good. And so I've, I've moved everything a little bit deeper into my own being. Who am I? Well, if, I am a, uh, if I'm my own God, then I'm on my own. I'm an orphan. I'm just, it's just me. And then... I take all of this, capture it in my belief that I'm actually the ultimate judge, and set my worldview on top of that. You with me so far? What's he going to do next? I think this will be fun. It might be weird, though. <laughs> what if I flip this around and I make God the God of the Bible? I want to make that really clear. Any God that I get to define who he is is no God. It's really just me. You can write that down. You can, whatever it takes to remember it, okay? Any day I stand in judgment of God, I am God, okay? I know that's a little bit hard to swallow, so bake on that for a bit, okay? So what if I make God God? Well, then now who I am changes. I'm a son now. I'll go into that in just a minute. I've moved from an orphan to a son. And then what's good changes. Because before what made me happy is was good, but now it's what makes me whole and holy becomes what's really good for my life. Well, then the question of what's wrong, well, the Bible makes it clear that what's wrong is not chance and ruining my happiness, but there's a thing in the world called sin, and there's a, world, a war going on that I was born in the middle of, Okay? And then what's next? Well, instead of nothing being next, there's an eternity that's next. Now let's park my worldview on top of that. And I have a way better perspective. Does that make sense? Did that help? All right. I'll try not to spill this. No guarantees. So we're going to deal with nine worldview statements in this series. One each week, and each one is connected to a Bible story. Okay, and today we're starting with creation, and I will without apology say that the first 11 chapters of the Bible are actually the most critical. If you reject Genesis 1 through 11, you don't have a New Testament. Okay, so there you go. I say it without apology. say, well, that gives me indigestion. Hey, my number is 371-4853. 371-GULF, G-U-L-F, GULF, between his ears, Okay. Now it's stuck. Now he's got it. So today we're wrestling with the idea that God is the source and I can be filled or I can stay empty. As we go through this today and wrestle with these questions, we're going to realize that some things can be known. 
We're not just staring back at ancient past over 4 billion years ago or, or 12 billion years ago, depending on uh, what, what, if we're talking earth or we're talking just the universe. Then we, we have an actual eye into what happened. Crazy, huh? Someone told Moses, hey, this is what went down. Now you're saying, I don't think God talked to Moses that way. I think he did. They, they, they hung out and never mind, long story. Okay, I'll stop. So God's word and God's Holy Spirit can reveal to us more than just the natural. It can also reveal the supernatural or the metaphysical. And I think physics is tying into that, but hey, that's beyond my scope. So then who's God? Well, if I look at creation, I see God created everything. Let's say that together. You don't even have to believe it just yet, but let's just do it. Let's just for one second be in, in unison. It'll be so weird. Americans in unison in one room. It'll be freaky. We're just going to say, God created everything. You ready? God created everything. Everything. And you're like, well, there's bad stuff in the world. We'll get to that. Hang on. Okay? So God created all these things, and in creating that, he reveals his love and his divine nature. We'll get to that in a minute. The next question, who am I? Well, if I look at this story, I'm going to find out that I was designed, I was, say designed, I was designed to be filled. Not an accident. We'll get back to that, okay? So everything God created before it was corrupted in Genesis 3 was good, okay? It was all good. That's a southern translation where he said it's all good. God has a southern accent. Southern Israel. All right. <sighs> Now, we also realize that we're going to see in the creation story what's actually wrong. Sin enters the world. Sin enters the world. This isn't about my happiness. It's about a war that started that we're in the middle of. That's what's wrong. And then we come back to what's next. In this story, we see that God has a redemptive plan. God has a way to bring us back home. This raises a whole lot of issues with us, but we'll go through and start raising those issues, and we'll just simply start here. Since God created everything, God is the source. And that's our worldview statement for today. God's the source, and I can be filled or stay empty. And so let's start with the idea that God created light. Do you, did you know that Genesis tells us that God created the light? You, ever, you remember that chicken and egg thing, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I know some of you already know this, but do you, do you know what came first? Light or the sun? Oh, you guys are reading the notes, aren't you? Way to go. In the beginning, God. I need to stop right there. Not in the beginning, nothing. In the beginning, something. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now look at the earth. The earth was formless and empty. I got to thinking about that. And I'm like, weird. Isn't that weird? There's, it's formless and empty. Because if you're imagining what the world looked like before God started messing with it, you can't. It's formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So this is really important to grasp because you have light before you have a source for light. But what's our point today? God is what? God is source. And so we have God saying, let there be light. 
and there being light before we have what we would scientifically or observably say is light or a source for light. And so you've got your head wrapped around that, right? So we're moving on. Let's think about some of these scriptures now. The Bible is so beautiful, guys, and so well woven together. It breaks my heart when people make declarations that it confuses them because what, what they're really saying is, I haven't really thought about it that much. And I get it. I've been there. But listen to these scriptures in light of the fact that God created light before he created a source for light. 1 John 1.5, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. This is really critical in a world that believes scientifically that light is the source for life. And you find out that God is light. Does that help? Is that cool? John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So important. Okay? So God said, let there be light. There was light. Now, we also should know that Jesus was there. The Bible says first John, in John chapter 1. By the way, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today. I'm going to let the Bible take care of my sermon. For the most part, I will crack the lame jokes. <laughs> Sound fair? All right, good deal. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. And we know that the Word that He's talking about there is Jesus Christ. God did not create Jesus. You understand that? God did not create Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were there at the beginning. Holy Spirit's hovering over the waters. I'll get to that in just a second. And Jesus Christ is coming out of the mouth of the Holy Father. He's the Word. Got it? When God said, let there be, that was Jesus. Let it be. Oh, no, the wrong band. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and supreme over all creation. Verse 17 is one of my favorites. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Just a little tip that I'm very interesting. The world almost blew apart at the crucifixion because we killed the one who held it together, but that is another sermon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spirit was also there. You can see in Genesis 1 through 3 that it was the Spirit of God that was hovering over the waters. I'm going to go ahead and move on. So those guys were there. So we see God created light. Now I want to drive home this point. So God's the source, everything comes from Him. Second, God formed and then He filled. So what happened at creation? That we have this formless, empty, dark place. We can't call it a world yet. No laws are in place, there's no gravity. No theory of relativity, no Newton's laws. It's formless and empty. There's nothing that makes sense to our minds today. And so here's God standing in chaos. You have the Creator standing in chaos. You have the, um, the, this, this pure love standing in emptiness. What's going to happen when you put the Creator and pure love in a situation like this. Well, Genesis 1 happens. He brings order out of chaos. He, create, he takes the formlessness and begins to form it. He establishes the laws that rule it. 
I just want to make a quick application that's a little bit outside the bounds of our subject today. But I just want you to know, if God can walk into a formless, empty universe and create it, your life is no problem. How dark, how empty, how much you failed, not a problem for the Creator. He's the source of fixing you. Amen? He can do that, all right? Okay, God formed, then He filled. So now we have the six days of creation. <laughs> Excuse me. Day one, we have light that's created. God separates the light from the dark, and we have day and night. Day two, he separates the waters above from the waters below. He creates an atmosphere over the oceans, okay? Day three, he separates land out, and weeds start to grow. Oh, and they weren't weeds. They were wildflowers at the time because everything was good, right? Day three. So that's what we have on day three. We have God forming out of emptiness and out of formlessness day and night and atmosphere and air and oceans and land and vegetation and then we get to day four and it gets interesting because then he starts to fill what he formed he fills the sky with stars moon sun the universe in fact he went totally over the top because for thousands of years no one had any idea how much he actually created out there and so he, he created all those things. So there's day four, he filled the, the, the sky, the universe, and so forth. Day five, he comes along, and you got this sky and the sea. And it's just a sky and sea. So he fills it with birds in the sky. Not in the sea, but fish in the sea. You knew that, I was just checking, just checking. Uh, last year, by this time, Kerry Cobb and I went to a missions conference in Missouri, and we were driving through Nebraska, which I don't recommend on a full stomach. No, I'm just kidding. Nebraska's a great state. They've got the Huskers. So anyway, so we're driving through Nebraska, and I'd never seen this before. And I've driven through Nebraska a few times because I, we're from Tennessee, and we, used to go, we still go through Nebraska on our way home. And I love, actually love watching the Platte meander around the I-80 there and imagining John Wayne driving hers, but sorry. Okay, that's just me. But we, we're getting out close to Omaha, and there are these... I mean, I don't know what kind of birds they were. Some of, there were some Canadian geese. There were several different kinds of birds. And I guess they just spend the winter in Nebraska, of all places. I would say Florida, but hey, you know, Nebraska must be the place. And we're driving, we're literally seeing bird tornadoes. I don't know if you've ever seen one or not. They're like thousands of feet in the, the sky. It looks like a bird tornado. And I'm glad we weren't driving under one, actually. But, I mean, just... Thousands and thousands. The sky is black. It looks like black bird tornadoes everywhere you go. All these birds in Nebraska, of all places. I don't know. Maybe that does make more sense than I thought it did. Okay, so no more Nebraska jokes. I'm done. God filled the sky, and then he filled the oceans. 80% of our planet's oceans have never even been seen, much less mapped or explored. 80%. You know, there, there's estimates that almost 90% of this planet haven't been explored. I guess you factor in the sea, that works okay. It kills me that we can't even discover our own planet, and yet we have determined there is no God. To me, that's absurd. But hey, that's my worldview. My worldview is that God is the source of all these kind of things. Oh, I, we can't forget day six. Day six, God filled the earth with animals, critters, and that thing, mankind. 
2007, it cracks me up, there was a study that was done to try and determine about how many different species were on the planet. 2007, their conclusion was somewhere between 5 and 100 million. I'm like, give yourself some room, dude. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) Man, you should be in politics because you said nothing right there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So the Menza Society came out a few years later, and they, claiming new science, have said that there are about 8.7 million species on the planet, of which 15%, a mere 15%, have actually been cataloged. We've got a lot on this planet we don't even know, is my simple point. But here's what I need you to remember. I could rant about that all day. I can rant about anything all day, just ask my wife. First, God formed it. And then God filled it. That's what you need to know. That's the most important thing. First God formed it. Then God filled it. Michael, why does this matter? Because of this guy, Adam and Eve. Adam was formed by God. Genesis 1.26. Let's make human beings in our image to be like us. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Can you climb into this moment with me for a second? Let's have some awareness here. God is forming man. He's forming Adam. We, we, he has created now. We are into the sixth day. And God has created, has spoken into existence all these incredible, beautiful, beyond our imagination things. Created all the laws and all the rules by which they would operate until he decided they would cease to operate. God has done all of this and now he gets down to last day, day six, and he's going to crown the thing. Do you get that? He saved the best for last. That's what you need to get. And so he says, hey, we're going to create man, and we're going to make him like us. And so God takes dirt from the ground, the Bible says, and he forms, because he forms it, then he fills it. He forms Adam. I don't know how that went down in the Trinity, you know? I like, like Father's like, hey, Jesus, check my back. What do I look like back there? I don't know. I mean, you're like, that's really shallow, Michael. I know, but it's kind of funny. Does this robe make me look big? No, I'm just kidding. So God forms him, and now we have, in, on this planet, we have God standing over a formed human being. He's pre-alive. He's not dead. He's pre-alive. And then God looks at that, that being and breathes. The Bible says God breathed into Adam. That breath is the breath we still breathe today. That's how big God is. God gives one person CPR and billions live. All right? Now here's where I need you to really get in the story. Adam's laying on the ground, just got CPR from God, and his eyes flutter open. What does he see? God is love. Adam, the first human being, is looking pure love straight on in the face. That's the first thing Adam saw. That's what we need to wrap our hearts around. You see, 
Theologically, we know God created man. We know Adam was the first man. We know all about Adam's failures. But what we don't know, and it took till Luke in the Gospels for us to learn it, because in Luke, Luke, as he's recording who the lineage up to Christ, he's going so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, who's the son of so-and-so, who's the son of so-and-so, and we get this son thing going on. And then he concludes in verse 38 with the genealogy of mankind up to Jesus Christ with this statement that we have read and never, probably never considered, that Adam was the son of God. Not merely just the man of God. God created a son when he created Adam. So when God breathed into his son the breath of life and his son awakened and looked into his eyes, we have far more than just God standing over a man. We have the eyes of a tender, compassionate, strong father looking into the eyes of a son. That's the heart of God. You say, what does that matter? Because everyone thinks that God's heart is just to make their life miserable. People think God is like out to get them. He is. He's out to get you in his family. He's out to adopt you. Okay, does that make sense? He's your father. He wants to be more, he wants to, be more to you than just some religious escape that you've made in your mind. So that, that's, that's how it worked. And God looked at it all. And God said, it's all good. It's all good. Everything is good. Everything I've created is good. The moon, the stars, the universe is good. Everything that's in the sea, even the slimy stuff is good. The birds, the creatures, and Adam and Eve. It's all good. We get to end of day six. That's God's conclusion. Everything is good. Good, and then God took a break. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. He wasn't tired. He just was done. When you say it's good, you're saying it's complete. He was finished. Nothing more needed to be done. He was also laying a, 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 an, an example for us that we need to rest and those kind of things. So what are we supposed to do with this? Well, let's move into some application, and let's think about this idea. We said God is source. Let's go into the second part. You can be filled or stay empty. I realize that could be offensive for me to say, stay empty, because I am implying that which I do believe, that we are born this life empty. Empty of what? Well, certainly not empty of sin. we got plenty of that. Empty of God. Because like Adam, who God leaned over and breathed into, that's exactly what God desires for us, to fill us with himself. And so we can stay empty or we can be filled. So we begin to ask some questions here. I keep looking at the wrong clock, and I'm liking that one better because it's about 10 minutes slower. So set your watch back, and we'll be good. So let me ask some questions. First of all, let me ask this. What are you going to do with creation? I think this is important because we're talking about a worldview that states God is source. The creation is key in that discussion. You throw out creation, you no longer have God as source. You may have time as source, light as source. Do you understand? So we have to ask ourselves, what do we think about creation? And here's what I want to to come at this. I I want you to know my heart on this is gentle, but I may not sound very gentle. And, and, And that's not my intent. But we have to stop being intimidated out of creation. 
We as believers need to realize that creation is important to who we are. We also need to understand that facts, because this is what I get, well, the facts say. So I want to go back to my worldview here. Same sci- two different scientists, one a creationist, one an evolutionist, will look at the same set of facts and come to entirely different conclusions. Why? Worldview. Worldview. Because one knows God a source, one doesn't know what the source is. I got to be honest with you, I know this is a, I shouldn't crack this as a joke, I, I really don't mean it as a joke, but to, to, for me, to say that something came out of nothing requires way more faith than saying God created everything, okay? Especially when I look at a world that displays God's love and character everywhere I turn. I mean, seriously, we have how many different variations of a rose? How many different kinds of stars in the universe? I mean, really, God's like, hey, I love you, and here's how much. Let's take this winter, for example. Yeah. I'm walking out the door the other morning, and it snowed again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm so tired of shoveling this climate change off my driveway. And God's like, hey. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And, of course, I'm like, he, he wants me to be grateful. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's like, hey, do you know that snow is a perfect picture of grace? I mean, you guys have all seen Wyoming late summer, haven't you? Where it looks like somebody cooked it on a griddle. It's like three shades of brown and a greenish shade of brown that no one knows what that is. And God's, God this winter, God this winter says, I want to show you what grace is like, and I'm just going to keep covering up that brown and covering up that brown and covering up that brown, covering up that brown. So you gripe about the snow, Michael. You're really griping about grace. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll try to shut up now. So anyway, what are we going to do with creation? If your faith is at a point that it's so weak and I don't mean as an insult, just as an honest statement, that you fear that philosophical and scientific debate would destroy your faith in creation, I would recommend you get rid of that faith because it's not actually faith. I'd recommend you find a real faith. What's a real faith? What if you walked up to me today and said, hey, Christy Maynard does not exist. And I'd be like, I beg to differ with you. I fought with her this morning. I know Christy Maynard exists because we talked this morning, we were in relationship this morning, and we'll talk more later. Someone comes, someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, scientifically, you can't prove there's a God. And I'm like, I just talked to him, and he thinks you're nuts. <laughs> I mean, really, who's crazy in this scenario? The one who sees from heaven or the one who can't see heaven? You can be filled or you can stay empty. Um, So as we think about creation, we need to think about who created everything. So I've got to go a little bit quicker. It says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen.
God loves us. He created, and the evidence is everywhere. And it's important for us to accept that. How important? So I'm going to read a a longer segment of Scripture, and I need you to ride with me because there's a reason Paul put this in the Bible, and it's before the age in which I live. So Romans 1.18, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I don't want to go into that too far, and I don't want to pry open too many lids, but you need to understand there's a suppression of truth going on. Verse 19, they know the truth about God. They know. I believe that your heart knows the truth whether you're willing to admit it or not. And when you hear truth, you resonate with it. Unless you suppress it. And even then, you know it's true because you have to suppress it. I mean, if people really don't believe in God, why are they so mad at Him? They know the truth about God because He made it obvious to them. Well, God, how'd you make it obvious? Because people are saying all the time, God, where are you? Why do you make yourself so hard to be found? Well, let's look at this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. At one time, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God, even or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Guys, is it important to accept creation and a creator? I'm going to say, according to Romans 1, 18 through 21, 22, that it is. So, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I say fill her up. I mean, if God made you to be filled, then get her full, Right? Let's find, how do we do that? How do we get into full? First of all, let's realize God created you. God created you. Now you're sitting there going, well, I thought God created Adam, and we all descended from Adam. Well, that's true. God created Adam on the banks of something outside of Garden of Eden. Okay? Out of dirt. But he created you in a different place. And David leads us to that. He says, you made God made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. God created Adam on the outskirts of Eden. God created you in your mother's womb. God did it. God did it. I would apologize for getting excited, but I'm telling you, God did it. Do you understand that? You're not an accident. You hear me? You're not an accident. You're not unintended. No matter how, how discouraged your parents may have been toward you. Well, we didn't mean to have eight children. Where did that come from? Oh, my goodness. God created you. I actually, God created, gave us seven sons and one exclamation point. And, and my exclamation point's back there. And he has Down syndrome, and God created in that way. You know Why? Because we're not enough. We need an extra chromosome, and he's got it. I could tell you stories, but i got to get this sermon done. You're not an accident. You're not an inconvenience. You're not a waste. You're not a loss. You are just like Adam. God formed you, and he made him look, made you look like your daddy. Amen? Amen. Image of God. So get God created you. God loves you. 
We know, preacher, God loves us. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children, children into glory. Not members, not outcasts, not orphans. Children, sons and daughters of God. What does a son look like? Well, there was this guy. 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus. He looked just like a son. That's what a son looks like. So, and I'm using that in a gender-neutral sense. I hope that doesn't offend you. But anyway, we're sons and daughters, if that makes you feel better. What does that mean? Well, God likes you. He wants to talk with you. Have you ever thought about how much God likes to uh, just walk with people? The day Adam and Eve got busted, what was happening? How did how they get busted? Who was taking a walk? God. Showed up in the garden for his, his normal walk with Adam and Eve. What does that tell you about God? He likes to walk. I got any walkers in the house? Just saying. Moses was on a walk through the desert. God showed up. Enoch was on a walk. God showed up. One day, Enoch didn't come back. God said, hey, why don't you just come over to my house till dark? Never got dark. He never came back. Time and time again, somebody's out walking, God shows up for them. He walked with Adam, walked with Enoch, walked with Moses, walked with Abraham, sent Abram on a walk. And I'm pretty sure he'll just walk with anybody who's willing to take a walk. Micah says this, people, the Lord has told you what's good, and this is what he requires. Oh, good. What do you require, God? Do what's right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. You want to get your life filled up? Stop walking alone. Take a walk with your father. He loves you. He's, he wants to hear about your day. He, he'll even listen to you complain about the snow. He might demonstrate his grace in the midst of it, but he'll listen. He's a loving father. Who knows? Maybe he can get you a dragon. I don't know. That was from earlier. I'm still stuck on Emery's dragon. It's, it's not just that he wants to fill you. He wants to overflow you. Jesus said in John 8 that if a man believes in me, that out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And I love what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. At the end of verse, I'll just say one verse, but that, that, by the way, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 is a mind blower. But verse 19, he ends the verse, says that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. The God whose earth is, the earth is like a footstool to him, wants to fill you. What do you think is going to happen when that happens? You are going to overflow, man. So that's what needs to happen in our life. So when we talk about God being source, we're talking about our, also our need to be filled with him. Now, I don't know where your life is right now. I could guess, postulate, whatever, it doesn't matter. What does matter is this. Why sit there empty? Why end up trapped in this box where you're your own God, you're making all your decisions, and you just end up empty? That's not Okay. God came to this world, put a plan in play, a redemptive plan to restore you to the fullness that he breathed into Adam in the garden. Life can be dark alone. We begin the worldview with knowing where it all comes from and who we actually depend upon. 
the sooner we surrender to that, the sooner we find real life. And the longer it takes to surrender to that, the longer we go empty. I want to pray. I just want to remind you, I'm available to talk about anything I've mentioned today. But let's pray. Father, thanks. You've been very good. You've blessed us. You've created us. Every person in this room is an intentional, creative act of their Father in heaven. I ask you, Lord, to not let anyone leave empty. To, to take a minute and enter conversation about this. Is God really all I need? Is he really the source for my life? Those are great questions. Be happy to talk to them. I'm going to have people on, on my table, on these prayer tables on my right and on my left to be available during the last song and after the service to, to talk about those things and begin that conversation, that journey. Lord, my prayer to you is I can't open blind eyes. I can't open deaf ears. I can't pry someone out of a box they really like being in. You are so good at loving people out of places they don't even want to be. So I pray that your love would move us into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Steve.